Well, good afternoon to you. This is Alan Seymour, episode 30 here on the future of sport on the All In Sports Talk platform. Delighted, my final guest on today's show is Andy Westlake. Uh, I found out uh, recently at the sports conference that we both attended that some of our paths kind of uh, crossed over. But I want to begin, Andy, by just asking you a little bit about maybe some of those past career highlights and where you are at the moment, Andy. Yeah, no problem. And I can't believe it's been episode 30 until I've managed to contribute. So anyway, <laughs> it's, it's great to be here. Yeah, so, I mean, my career, I've had a... Um, let me add it up. I mean, I guess 27 years in the sponsorship industry. Um, you referred earlier to our paths crossing. I worked in commercial radio, yep. capital radio, for seven years. Worked for one of the big radio uh, groups called EMAP, now called Bauer, I believe, um, doing uh, commercial radio and cross-media sponsorship. Um, I then crossed over to the um, to this sort of the out the buying side of the fence, if you like, because when I was in commercial radio, we sold to media agencies a lot and that was at the time that the media agencies were becoming increasingly interested in in the other products and services that they could sell, sell to their brand clients and sponsorship and digital were two of those and so I, I joined a business called CIA Chris Ingram Associates, um, a big global media buying business that were looking to invest in, in their sponsorship expertise and I, um, I led that business through a, a terrific period of growth for four years. Um, that business eventually was sold to WPP, and I, I then moved on and joined a company called Fast Track. So, Fast Track had been set up by, uh, I guess, uh, one of the one of the key people in the UK sponsorship industry, a chap called Alan Pascoe, yeah. an ex um, GB athlete, a hurdler, Olympian, um, and he had set that business up in 1998. And in 2002, I joined him as as he was looking to to build that business and. Uh, and to, to set something up with some real momentum. And so having just relatively recently um, sat on the other side of the desk from Alan, brokering a big deal for CGU to be um, the White Knight sponsor of British Athletics, yeah. some time later Alan lured me to, to <laughs> join um, the journey that we went on with Fast Track. And so, yeah, I joined Fast Track in 2002 and ended up being there for 13 years, some you know, a number of different iterations, like many of us go through in business. But um, you know, the, we were a small independent business, acquiring, growing. Um, we were then acquired in turn by Chime, and Chime became quite acquisitive in the world of sports. So I had a, an amazing time at Fast Track, um, but in 2015, the time was right for me to move on and do other things. And so um, I set up my own consultancy, and I'm uh, I have a couple of um, board positions and doing some freelance work with a range of rights holders and organisations in sport and uh, and also, as you quite rightly referred to, I'm now the chairman of the European Sponsorship Association, which I'm very proud of because it's a, a, an organisation that's been an important part of, um, of my career and my education in sponsorship. So, yeah, so that's, that's me in a nutshell. I mean, uh, if, if I could just interject there, sorry to... Um probably kind of cut you off just at the end there but what I'm going to say now is I mean that is absolutely uh, gold dust almost to my audience, it's a super pedigree and the type of interaction and expertise and experience that comes from a wealth of time spent in our beautiful industry uh, where sport brings all of the components, marketing sponsorship and, and, and many other aspects that I want to touch upon and talk about and you kindly uh, was a 
panelists recently on the Global Sport Education Conference at the University of Worcester and sat alongside uh, some other esteemed colleagues and board members at uh, the European Sponsorship Association. Perhaps you could tell the audience a little bit about the background of the association and what some of your key objectives may be, not only now, but in your uh, forthcoming uh, reign, as it were, as, uh, as chair of the association, Andy. Yeah, so um, the European Sponsorship Association has been, I guess, in place for about 15 years. It was uh, brought together with um, with two two separate trade bodies, which we needn't go into now. But um, yeah, the European Sponsorship Association's mission is to inspire, unite, and and grow the sponsorship industry for the benefit of, of its members. So we have about 150 members. Um, and really, our our mission is to is to champion sponsorship as a channel, both for agencies, for rights holders, and more importantly, I guess, to to clients. And and I guess the people that we're championing sponsorship to has changed somewhat over the last ten yeah. years. Like I suppose ten years ago, more more often than not, we were we were engaged in dialogue with with heads of sponsorship and people that had a sponsorship role within organisations. But as you rightly refer. Um, sponsorship now is is a marketing function, absolutely a marketing function, yeah. and so our brief, if you like, our remit as the European Sponsorship Association is to behave much more like a marketing trade body than, than we ever have before. Um, but we, we deal in, in the, the magic that is the connection between um, a, a customer and a brand using the passion that those customers have for, you know, any number of different topics. And so there will be brands that know their customers are deeply passionate about football, and so they'll form a relationship with UEFA or the FA or the Premier League. And they'll be able to build a, a, an emotional and engaging relationship with those customers through, their, through, through those platforms. And so, yeah, so that's our mission, really. We have a whole range of education programs um, helping our cohort to improve their knowledge and to be... Um, better practitioners in our world. We run a whole range of events, breakfast sessions, and um, we run an, an ESSA Rewards program and a range of others. We, we provide um, policy and uh, policy guidance and advice around some of those you know, more thorny issues like gambling and, and alcohol and what have you. And we, and we provide resources to our membership as well. So that's you know, the size of the industry, great case studies. And we're always working with our members um, to unearth those brilliant piece of, pieces of evidence that show that sponsorship as a channel is more effective than, than many other ways that marketing directors could spend their money. So, so yeah, we're um, you know we're a, a, a trade org, a trade association certainly going through a constant period of transformation and change, but at the same time, I think that gives us an amazing opportunity to to continue to reshape the European Sponsorship Association. So it offers exactly what our members past, present and future would want from us. Um, so yeah, and, and later this week we celebrate uh, at BAFTA um, another cohort of the ESSA <laughs> Diploma, another 70 students who wow. went through the diploma and, um, and we're at BAFTA with Tim Hollingsworth, the CEO of the British Paralympic Association, who's handing this year's students their certificates and 
you know, a, a, it's a, a big day on Inessa's calendar, so this is an exciting week for us. I mean, that's very timely, and, and, and in a few moments' time, maybe a little bit longer than a few moments' time, I want to segue into the educational bit and reflections on the conference that you just attended. But I, I, I'd like to get an opinion from you, maybe a little bit more than an opinion. I mean, you've used a couple of phrases there, and I think one of those was touched upon at our conference, the magic box. And, and in many ways, when, you know, we talk about marketing and sponsorship and all the things that happen, that engagement and relationship obviously needs and quite, uh, quite dominantly almost now in our marketplace, we're always looking for that extra and that special ingredient. Do you think it's the moment for sponsorship to perhaps be really seizing that moment and taking the uh, relationship bills that it can now have and putting something extra in there and putting something magic that actually makes it a much more effective tool than perhaps it was perceived to be. And I use that word perceived to be perhaps historically, Andy. I know it's a loaded question, but some are all pick, pick or unpick some of those points, if you would. Yeah, like, yeah no, I, well, I clearly agree. Um, <laughs> I mean, look, if you look back, if you look back at, at the, 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 the kind of narrative that you'd have got from somebody, some of the practitioners in sponsorship 15 years yeah. ago, they would have talked a lot about Robert Awards and branding and branding on shirts and branding on backdrops and hospitality and tickets and all of that stuff. And, and that's still a really, really important part of the kind of things that we're delivering to the to the brands that are investing in sponsorship, um, especially brands that want to drive brand awareness and brands that want to be able to host and entertain important customers, either present customers or prospects. I think the the world of digital and social media is completely transformed right. because I think it gives it ne- our, our our industry now gives brands an opportunity to be a really authentic and credible part of the conversation around those things that are, are, are the clients in our industry are spending their money. Um, so I think it's a, a, a super exciting time to be to be in our business. Um, but yeah, I think it continues to tra- it continues to change. It continues to transform. And so um, nowadays, I think if a brand, I don't know, if a brand like Emirates, for example, you know, wants to be seen as a lifestyle brand, yeah. now, now more than ever, there's an opportunity for them to really show what they mean by that, rather than just putting their Absolutely. branding on big events. It now it, they, they now have an opportunity to really authentically add value to to be able to give their assets back to the customers that care about their business through digital and social channels um, to be able to use really really smart uh, to to be able to activate a really smart use of data to be able to build a relationship directly with those customers you know so we're in a really really exciting period I think where a, a complicated landscape means that people increasingly are looking for channels that enable them to rise above the noise. Absolutely. And I think an access, access and connections to, 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 um, to brands and assets that are intrinsic to people's <laughs> passions yeah. is a brilliant place to play, in my humble opinion. And so I think sponsorship as a channel has, is, in a, is in rude health. Um, more and more brands and more and more you know, unusual sectors are now looking at sponsorship as an opportunity to engage with their customers. Um, and digital and social, while something that we should um, on paper be terrified of, is just an amazing opportunity for innovation, for us to continually look at, continually look at new things that are coming along and saying, how as the sponsorship industry can we maximise the 
the effect and impact of these new channels on our sponsored campaigns. I mean, Andy, you know, we're, we're in the medium of uh, audio primarily here, but I have the advantage of being able to talk to you direct, and that emotion is shining through. And I think that, again, is why we get so excited about our business. And we are in the moment, and, and I'm kind of almost using to, like the elasticity almost to sponsor because you can stretch it, and you can extend it, and you can actually bring it in. Uh, into that moment. I want to, before we kind of put some summations on what is all too short an interview today, by closing on education and the global sport marketplace that we talked about uh, just recently, a couple of weeks ago at the conference. But you did touch upon something, and, and without being provocative or necessarily controversial here, it, there are uh, challenging times, and perhaps sometimes through I'll use sponsorship in a very broad sense here because you touched upon things like ethics and gambling. And one of the things that concerns me, and I'll be very open about this, that there is a bombardment hitting us at the moment, particularly sports and, and, and sports in the media, using it, what can only be, be described in some quarters as a dangerous precedent where you know sponsors are putting their names to everything to do with betting and gambling. So maybe you've got some thoughts on that and, and, and maybe you could just throw a little bit of light maybe to audiences on how uh, from a sponsorship perspective or a marketing perspective one would look at um, you know all the uh, elements of something like that yeah I mean uh, look, and, and that's a, I know there are, there are certain rights holders that have taken quite a strong, strong quite a strong yeah. position um, around the gaming and gambling space and so you know I, I, I absolutely um, leave that to their own um, devices, yeah. you know, that's their decision to make. Ultimately, I think my, my view is that, uh, and it's my own personal view, um, that uh, as long as those organisations are behaving responsibly around um, those partnerships, that they're putting effort into marketing responsible gambling, they're doing everything that they should be required to do legally. Um, that they're not advertising to, to, to children or to, um, to kids or to adults under 25, that they're doing all of the things that they're, um, the code of ethics and the code of yeah. conduct suggests they should be doing, then, um, you know, sponsorship is just as an authentic and, and relevant a way for them to communicate with their audiences as spot advertising or any other channel. And so, um, clearly, it works because there's there's a lot yeah. of money going in. My, you know, what I would want from those organisations who are sponsoring football clubs and, and boxing events and what have you is that they are taking those responsibilities seriously. So Absolutely. their activation, therefore, should focus on putting effort and uh, effort into their their their, their 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 obligations around responsibility. They should be investing in making sure that you know the disadvantaged or the you know disenfranchised in that world are being invested in and focused on and that they you know they don't do stuff that they shouldn't do and i think all of the gaming and gambling companies are behaving like that yeah i think the you know essa or the sponsorship industry will have to act if there are higher level um more broad advertising restrictions that are placed on them and then we'll have to respond won't we but yeah. um you know, we work quite hard with um, our counterparts in in Belgium, Belgium and in Europe to make sure that we're across all of the latest code of conduct and rules and regulations. Um, and, and ultimately, my, my my perspective is, as long as they're being responsible citizens and doing what they should be doing, um, then you know, 
I, I support their continued investment in our world, um, but it, it, you know, it has to be with that um, with that bias for sure. I, I mean, and I, I think you've given a very assured and, and and a very responsible answer, and I think also it does reflect. Uh, what we need to all be about in our wonderful business and industry you know I mean we do cross uh, lots of social divides we, we, we have to be seen to be doing and, and, and those kind of things you know we govern and we have come from industry you know honest decent legal and truthful to quote an advertising practice uh, and also the fact that you know you can be good at marketing but you can also market for good and, and so I, I think all of these things are very genuine concerns and need to be uh, considered at all Times. Yeah, and look, look, they should act like you know they should act like a fan, and and the fans should look at should look at that organisation that's sponsoring their football club, and should be able to say, well, what good are they doing too? You know, Absolutely. yes, they, they're they're offering me an opportunity to to spend my hard-earned betting pound, um, you know, backing my club on a weekly basis, but they're also doing good stuff in and around the communities that I care about, connected to this football club, this boxing club, this whatever club. Um, and as long as they're, they're, they have the, they, they put those responsibilities at the heart of, of their objectives, then you know I, I, I'll continue to, to support the sector in uh, uh, in our business. Now let me just be uh, put some closure. We're sadly, as I commented on a few moments ago, running out of time. But I want really, Andy, if you could just to put some closure, some final perspectives, global sport business education, the importance of sport business education, what did you glean from the recent conference that you uh, were very much a key player and participant in, which I know got a great deal of support from all of the students and academics and the practitioners that attended. Yeah, Give I mean, us your it was, reflections. It, it, it was, I don't know, you know, you go, I guess a lot of conferences and, and um, and you know, meet, obviously, always meet some brilliant people. But it, it was so refreshing, actually, to come to a, to come to the University of Worcester and meet well, meet the guys from Worcester University, but also the guys from South Florida. Absolutely, who are, yeah. It's just so passionate about our our industry. It gives you faith that the next generation is is better armed than they ever have been before <laughs> as, as they move into sort of the formalities of their careers. I yeah. thought. Um, some of the work that was going on, um, preparing those students for their careers by giving them, you know, mentors and real life work opportunities connected to their to their education was was amazing. Um, and there was just so much optimism and passion and energy in the room on that day that, you know, it gave, it gave, as I said, it, it does give you um, great faith. And I also think it's it was terrific to see so many of the established practitioners in the industry turn up and want to give their time Absolutely. to the audience. Yeah. You know, people like Jim O'Toole and Jackie and yeah. Sophie and, and a whole range of others, you know, who could, you know, clearly be doing other things with their day rather than going to Worcester University. And so, no, I thought there were some brilliant speakers. It was, you know, great to see the, 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 the really authentic passion of the people in, their room, in the room about the industry. I mean, there were a number of people that are, are blogging and doing, you know, regular videos and films about the industry, and a few of them came and doorstep me at the conference, which I would, you know, I'd want them to do, frankly, because if if I'd been in a room with me 25 years ago, I'd want to know me and I'd want my <laughs> advice. So it was great that a few of them came up and said, "Hey, can I get in touch with you afterwards?" Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it was, fantastic. It, was good. It, was, it, it gave me, um, you know, it gave me a real sense that um, there's, uh, uh, you know, the the, the, the sector, the sports marketing sector is as buoyant as ever and that 
the best and brightest from some of the great universities in the world are looking at our industry as a place that they want to grow and thrive and survive rather than going into you know some other some other industries where they you know frankly they might make more money so it was um <laughs> Really good, a really good day, and look forward to being part of it again next year. Andy, I mean, that's a wonderful testimonial, deliberately and definitively put forward. I really, really thank you for that. It's a natural stopping point, but the beauty of that stopping point is that there is going to be a continuum. You're in the squad to travel, you will be playing <laughs> next time, and I really, really thank you, not only for what you've said today and what you did, and, and, you know, my show is called The Future of Sport, and as I think we both rightly agree on, the future of sport is very, very uh, bright, it's booming, it is, it, it is everything that you would want from everything concerned. So, many, many thanks, Andy. Give a final shout how we can contact you, if any of the students, audience, anybody wants to get in touch with you, Andy, and then we'll close, if I may. Uh, yeah, I mean, you've, you'll just find me on all the social channels. I think I'm at Andy Westlake on Twitter, on LinkedIn, on Instagram, or probably on Facebook. I mean, if you can be bothered to follow <laughs> the ramblings, but um, I don't, I don't, I don't sort of remorselessly tweet about about the sport, the sponsorship industry, as you'll know, as one of my followers. I, yeah. I follow local football clubs and tweet about drinking, eating playing, watching rugby, football and every other thing. But yeah, I'd be delighted to, to receive to invitations. If people are going to connect with me on LinkedIn, just make a reference to the fact that it's come through you or come through um, the connection made here so that I don't just say no. But Because uh, I get a lot of, a lot of, we all do, get you know, strange okay. requests from all sorts of people. So it's always nice to make the context, to understand the context. Andy, that is fantastic. You have a great week. And we'll speak yeah. again soon, and the next time we'll be together, hopefully we'll be at FOSC 18. Many thanks, Andy. Yeah, Take care. Right. No problem. Thanks. Bye.